That was beautiful, actually. Thank you for that. And you know what, how she did this for us? I came in early, and she was at the piano, and I said, sing that this morning. She said, I just now copied it off. I haven't even been over it yet. Could you tell? Isn't that amazing? I'm so glad to see you all here this morning. Now, this is the rough crowd. This is the crowd that can take her. Uh, I'm telling you, get out. And, and it just felt like the middle of winter this morning, didn't it? But here you are, and I'm so grateful. Okay. Bow your head with me for a minute, okay? Father, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight this morning? Lord, you're my strength and you're my redeemer. Father, uh, give utterance to everything that you want this people to speak today, this, these women, so that we can encourage each other. Open our mouths this morning, Father, to just praise you and to do the very thing that you want done today because you're the reason we're here. In Jesus' name, I ask this. Amen. You know, when we go to Bible study and we go to church, we come home <coughs> living exactly the same as we did before we went. We have missed the final stage of each encounter with the Word of God. Application. Don't you want some application from this Bible class? Wouldn't you like for it to make you different? Uh Here's the deal. I can buy that Bowflex trainer, <coughs> but it won't make me healthier because you know that I'd have to use the silly thing. And I could read a diet book that's really, really good, and I could say, boy, that's the truth, and I can believe it, but if I don't apply it, is it going to make me skinny? It always takes application. See, buying and believing, that won't do any good. And we can come to church and we can say, amen, amen. We can take notes and we're looking good. And we can love that worship service and feel closer to God while we are there. But then the neighbor across the street who plays golf on Sunday morning, they live lives pretty much like we do. They're good people. And we ask them to church and they don't really see the need because they see themselves pretty much like us, and they get to sleep late on Sunday morning. Let's listen to what James says about that. He says, don't you merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. And I looked at that, and I thought, deceive myself? Deceived, really? Am I deceived by the way I attend church, by the way I'm living this life? Well, what if you feel convicted? You just feel that, and you sing some songs, and you praise, and you know, well, I made some progress this morning. Sometimes feeling guilty gets, uh, gets equated with a religious progress, and it's not necessarily that. Oh, that was a great message this morning. Boy, you stepped all over my toes. Yeah, you really got me today, uh-huh. And then you go home. You don't apply it. Not, James says, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. If you don't do what the scripture says, you're fooling yourself. Do what it says. And he uses this illustration, which is pretty cool. He said, those who listen to the words and don't do what it says are like people who look at their faces in the mirror, and then they walk away and forget what they look like. Oh, yeah, I'm a mess. I can see it. I've got to change. I've got to change. We'll walk out of church and just kind of forget. You know, you wouldn't go to church or come to this class without fixing up, would you? 
No, you all spent a little time in the mirror this morning, and you checked yourself out and did as much as we could with what we got, huh? That's, uh, that's action. That's action. And we look into God's word and see where we fall short, and then we do nothing. And It's like not combing your hair for a week. And you come to church, and someone says, um, I don't believe that you have combed your hair. And you say, yeah, I know it. Pray for me. It isn't complicated. You just do it. You just do it. There's no value in just feeling convicted. Don't, don't make a big religious experience out of that. Just fix it. The reason we don't do what the Bible says may be because we want freedom to do what we want to do. My life's going along pretty fine. We're happy with that. Like when you get money, you're to give away some of it first. Well, that doesn't make sense to the natural man. I, I've got 10, and I don't want to give one of my 10. That's not feeling like it's something victorious. It seems to take away our freedom. And then we find when we do it, it's one of the most liberating principles you have ever been taught because it's not doing something in the natural. It's doing it in the supernatural. And we don't always think we've got the supernatural in us, but we do. With the spirit of the living God inside of us, we do. We need to be living like supernatural creatures. Spiritual lukewarmness, how does that happen? Well, it comes from hearing the scripture week after week after week and knowing what it says and not really, really doing it. Forgiveness, now that's a double whammy. We are told to forgive. You mean we're just to forgive them when they don't really do anything about it? They didn't even ask for forgiveness at all? And you feel like you're giving them some kind of liberty that they don't really deserve when you give them your, their forgiveness. But if you have ever lived with unforgiveness, if you've ever done that, I hope that you know you put yourself in a prison while you were feeling that. Your heart gets cold, it gets hard, you stay angry inside about that every time you think of that person. And besides that, let me tell you this, God tells us he's not going to bless you while you hold back blessing from somebody else. Application, there's the answer, just do it, okay? So King Saul spent his life trying to kill David for a perceived offense that didn't even really happen. And he was the king. He had everything that he, uh, he had a power to live a great life. But you know what he did? He wasted that privilege chasing a righteous man. He lived in defeat. He never could catch him, and he never could quit. The Bible says this. We've, we learned it as a kid, but have we got it as a grown-up? It says, be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Now that's a mouthful. So David, after 10 years of being chased all over the wilderness, he comes to the throne and he says, is there anybody in Saul's house that I can be kind, I can be kind to? What? David knew about application because he was a, man's, a man after God's own heart. He had the spirit of God inside of him. And if God wanted kindness, David's going to give it. I just wonder if David's example would inspire us to show kindness. Last week, we heard Miranda share an act of kindness. And everybody, I was looking around at you all, and you were responding. Everybody was smiling from ear to ear. And, and we loved hearing about the sacrifice, even when she didn't really want to do it, right? 
And we loved hearing that she did it anyway. And did it make you think? Did anybody give that any thought this week? Somebody have that pass through their mind. Have you all heard about sanctification? You know, it's a process, and it's a process. It's happening inside of you now. It's a process of becoming more like Jesus day by day. That We can make it that simple, becoming more like Jesus day by day. It began the day you guys got saved, and it will continue until the day that you get this new glorified body and then sanctification is finished because you're into glorification and it's going to be wonderful. But if we're going to be like Jesus, let me tell you what he did. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good always. Can we do good? I think we can, can't we? Uh, He stopped here and he stopped there and he met needs and he showed love and he just did good. If there was ever a kind man, it was Jesus. And I wonder if you think of him as kind, because he showed kindness all the time. David showed us a good example with Mephibosheth. We talked about it last week. Some he took him in, he provided for him. He gave him the lands and riches of his father and his grandfather. He treated him like my own son. That's how kind he was. And what did David get in return? Well, from Mephibosheth, he didn't get a thing, did he? But from God, from God. Now, remember, David was filled with the Holy Spirit, just like you. And that spirit was letting him know how to act in kindness. Can that spirit let you know how to act? I believe that's how it's supposed to be. So how about us? What if I gave us an assignment? Now, I know you didn't pay for this course, and I have no right to give you an assignment, but would you please let me give you an assignment? All right? It's important. What if I ask you to just keep your eyes open during this Thanksgiving season and look for a chance, every chance, to be kind? Can you think it might be even kind of exciting that if you get it in your head, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm going to find a place to be kind now. Looking for a chance, I'm going to show God's love. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go about doing good instead of, boy, I've got to hurry up and get this stuff and get home and your head's down and away you go because that's the way we live so much of our life. Being more aware than you've ever been just for this Thanksgiving season here, I'm looking for a way to be kind. There's not a lot of kindness out there in the world, so it makes you different if you're kind. It's kind of a rare commodity. You get in St. Louis traffic and you'll find out how kind people are. Oh, I, I was in a wrong lane, desperately trying to work my way back in. We came to a stoplight, and I'm looking over at the girl who's at my left, and I'm giving her this look like, please, please, and my blinker's going. She knew exactly what I want. I looked at her and smiled, and she said, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. So I looked at her again, and she said, Okay. Well, somebody finally let me in, but not before I had people behind me honking. It was awful. I tell you. You get in a long checkout line at Walmart, okay, now here's a chance of being agitated for sure. And what's in the world's happening right ahead of you? You know what they're doing, getting out one card. No, that doesn't work. Get out another one. Go on and on. But listen, when you're in that line, is there any chance that you can have a friendly conversation with somebody behind you? Is there any chance for that? You could look around and smile at somebody and see what happens. And when you get to the person who's checking you out, how are you doing today? They look up like, are you talking to me? Because they're not used to that. After all, they're just there for our 
benefit, aren't they? You meet somebody almost every day who needs a kind word. Life's just beating them up, and you could help them with a kind word. Think how Jesus did it. It isn't like he didn't have a lot to do because he had only three years. And in those three years, he was walking around, he was, he was teaching, he was, he was healing, and he was also preparing them to watch the sacrifice that he was going to give. But he was never too busy to meet a need. Luke 6.35 is not in anybody's list of favorite verses. I've never heard anybody say it's their favorite verse. We all know it. It said, Jesus said, Jesus said, love your enemies and do good to them. Really? Really? But then he pictured it, guys. Hanging on a cross, he looked out at the people who were jeering and mocking him, spitting at him, and he looked up and said, Father, would you forgive them? They don't know what they're doing. The act of kindness right there in the midst of all of the hate there's a lot of hate around us right now. An act of kindness will stick out to you. Right. Let me repeat the story of, of the widow. I, I think I've told this here before, but I don't care. You won't remember, first of all. Secondly, if you have, you need to be reminded. All right? This, this widow had a neighbor that just hated God and, and hated the church and hated her because she was one of those Christians. And he would use all kinds of foul language to her, knowing that how it hurt her soul. And he mocked her. And she tried so hard to be his friend, but he was having none of it. She raised chickens and she sold eggs. One day her chickens got out. And one got into his yard and he grabbed that chicken. He wrung its neck and he threw it over the fence and it landed at her feet. And then he said something ugly and went in. And that night, there was a knock on his door, and there she stood holding a plate of fried chicken. And she said, I'm so sorry my chicken got in your yard. Please forgive me. Hours later, he knocked at her door. He said, I give up. Tell me about this God that makes you act like that. People need you. They need you to see them, to see them. You'll pass all kinds of people without ever looking into their eyes. You don't have to know them. A smile, a smile, a look. And they're, they're kind of amazed because everybody else just walks by without seeing them. Say it to some people that you don't know. How are you today? Just say it. You have a built-in kindness kit. It's your tongue. Don't ever underestimate the power of a kind word. My goodness, you look nice today. Cost you nothing. And I could go home with a kind word. All right, you've got a load. Let me get that door for you. Not a big deal. Just simply kindness. You get known for it. A smile and a kind act just kind of gets around, and then they'll find out maybe that you are a follower of Jesus. God's going to provide you with a chance to be kind to someone, and maybe it's somebody that's unkind with you. And if you hear and obey, you know what he'll do? He'll run back with more opportunities for you to show kindness. And it can just grow and grow and grow. Somebody, sometimes, I think you know, you just really know that somebody needs help. And then you've always got a choice. Do I respond or do I just go on? Somebody else will help him. Always a choice. 
particularly be kind to people who don't know the Lord, to that neighbor who plays his music too loud, or to that, that neighbor kid who rides his bike through your flowers practically every day. Don't be that grouchy neighbor that frowns all the time and is mad at your neighbors. Understand that you are always a picture of what a follower of Christ looks like. Today, many people are hostile to what we believe, more hostile than I've ever seen them in our nation. Show them kindness. It can make the difference. So would you accept my challenge for these next couple of weeks and bring back a story on November the 26th? Write it down or you'll forget it. All right, write it down. And maybe you'll have a bunch of kindnesses and you can just keep track of them yourself and you don't even have to tell them. But wouldn't it be fun if we could hear each other tell some things that happened? I'm going to accept it myself. The scripture says, wear kindness around your neck like a necklace. That's from Proverbs. Well, listen, let me tell you this. Don't go out without it, but don't take it off while you're at home. Be kind to your husband. Be kind to your children. Surprise your honey, uh, husband and say, honey, let, let me get that for you. I know you're tired. I know you're worn out. Just let me get that for you. Well, check his response. As a matter of fact, check his pulse. See if he looks at you funny. Be kind to your mother-in-law or your daughter-in-law. Be kind to everyone around you. Experiment with kindness at the grocery store and look for chances. Just look for them. Open-eyed, and you'll find them if you look. It might even give you a testimony. Who knows? Only God. Only God. Pray for him to show you opportunities. Just ask him, and I think you'll be amazed. All right. Assignment taken? I got some nods. All right. Me too. Don't you forget. Let's stand.